do. Yes. Okay. So we had some technical difficulties. I believe the deep state was uh, trying to stop us from having a conversation right now. Exactly. The enemy is at work. Afi, Janjua. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. We're back. Um, okay. So where did we leave off? What were you saying? I was basically sharing about how um, this actor I follow, you know, he was sharing about who Jesus really is in mm -hmm. posts and his posts on Instagram. And, um, you know, I've been following along with him and this recent one that he shared that I was, you know, pretty inspired by was about him, about Jesus sharing with the Pharisees about before Abraham was, I am. Mm. And he was saying, this is Jesus's claim to divinity. And, you know, we find that in a lot of places in the world, like we were just talking about, you know, you got a lot of different faiths about who is Jesus? You know, mm. he, is he a prophet? Is he a good teacher? Is he just a man or, you know, a lunatic as some people say he might've been, mm. you know, um, some people even say he's just fiction that it never happened. You know, I'm sure you've heard of it, yeah. you know, but, um, with this one Bible verse, we know Jesus claims to be God. And the thing about this actor that I've been following is that, you know, he studied Islam. He's been a grew up Christian from what I understand, but, you know, he's studied the Quran. And one of the things that, you know, one of the things I see on his post is that there's a lot of Muslims. I guess that they've been fans of his from the different shows and things that he's been in. Mm -hmm. But, um, they comment on his posts and one person commented on this post, this specific post of his saying, man, you haven't read the Quran. You're just saying that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I couldn't resist. I commented back and I was like, you know, a lot of my Muslim family says the exact same thing to me, you know, wow. except for, you know, they know, even though they know I've been through Quran class, you know, growing up my entire life, going to Islamic school, going to Quran class. It was one of my parents' top priorities, you know, in, you know, my, my life and my siblings' life. Mm -hmm. Make sure that we're studying the Quran. Make sure we're studying Islam and what we believe. So I commented back. I was like, I, I did read the Quran, actually. And my family still says that to me because I turned to Christ. And, wow. You know, so this um, individual... He commented back and he was like, okay, well then what's the guarantee, you know, that Jesus died on the cross? What's the guarantee that he's God? You know, tell me one place in the Bible, you know, that Jesus claims divinity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I sure, sure, sure shared with him <laughs> the same exact uh -huh. verse that this actor posted in his caption. I was like, John 8, 58, as the Pharisees are talking to Jesus and Jesus says, you know, Abraham rejoiced at my, at my day. You know, Jesus, you know, like the Pharisees go, y you're not even that old. Mm. <laughs> like how you're saying that you've seen Abraham. Yeah. And Jesus says, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees picked up stones to throw at Jesus, mm. not because he just said some statement. Because it was blasphemy what he was saying. They were saying that he was making himself to be God mm. by that statement. They understood what he was saying. Right. And then, you know, you read as well, um, when Thomas, you know, when when Thomas, like, sees the resurrected Christ with his, you know, the holes in his hands, 
he says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus doesn't condemn him for saying that. He commends him. Hmm. You know, there's multiple places in the Bible. Right. So I started sharing with this individual. And um, he was like, okay, okay, you don't have to share multiple verses with me. You just needed to share the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's been interesting, you know, like my experiences growing up as a Muslim has have been able to help me share with other Muslims, you know. Gosh. Well, let me, you know what, uh, since we did have that, that audio break, let me just introduce some people because they didn't hear what, uh, who you are. Yeah. Um, this is Afi Janjua, uh, my good friend, and uh, he converted from Islam to Christianity, and I got to meet Islam him. Islam to in... atheism, actually. Wow. Islam to atheism to Christianity. No way. Okay, yeah. so this is, I'm, I'm learning more and more. So <laughs> I got to meet him in Bible college. The Lord divinely put us together. We started having conversations and you have an amazing testimony. Um, you, I know you, you serve in ministry right now. Uh, exactly, um, how long have you been a Christian? I have been a Christian for almost six years now. I came to the Lord in July of 2014. Praise the Lord. Right on, dude. He's been, he's and been so <laughs> that's awesome. And right now you are serving in ministry. I am. I am serving in the worship team mm-hmm. at my church, and I also consider myself to be serving in my young adult group, um, leading Bible studies and, you know, planning different events for us to go out on. You know, we've been, it's been pretty amazing. We've actually, you know, started this little planning committee and, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone wants to start teaching now. And it's been amazing to see that such an encouragement. Yeah. Do you, do you notice lately a lot of people have been just kind of taking a step of faith with the, the not being able to meet publicly. Have you also seen that same thing at, uh, what, what, where do you fellowship at? I fellowship at Calvary Chapel into the light. Okay. And it, it, is it the same? Cause I, I feel like a lot of people I talk to from different churches are seeing the same thing where people are taking that step of faith now, as far as reaching out to others, being a little more open about sharing their faith with others. Is that the same where you guys are at? I, I haven't talked to many people, but I do have this friend named Cody. I'm not sure if he's listening right now, uh-huh. but I'm sure you've met Cody. Yeah, Cody's a good friend of mine too. And um, one of the encouraging things I've seen about Cody, you know, in, in his life, you know, is that he's he all he has such a heart for his coworkers. This is true. You know? And um, this one coworker that he's been sharing the word with, Sebastian, just recently came to the Lord mm. and even in this time of COVID-19 where everyone's saying, stay at home, you know, you don't meet, you know, Cody's leading Bible studies with this individual to make sure that, you know, mm. he still has, you know, he still has that growth coming in. Yeah. He still has a word being mm. fed to him. Wow. So that's one of the things I've been in, in really encouraged in and seeing that, you know, this, this, uh, virus this pandemic is not going to stop the lord's moving yeah yeah wow and that's also that's it's a hard um for me uh, as wanting and desiring to fellowship with people there's definitely a balance that i have to look at and and seeing okay where where's the line because i want to continually just pour into people but at the same time the heartache of me is I don't want to put people in danger. So I, I right now I am struggling with, um, you know, missing the people yeah. because I, we are separated right now. We are in quarantine and 
and I also realize the the severity of everything that's going on. But you, exactly as Cody's doing, I think that he's taking that initiative to continue to to spread the word and to reach out to his friend Sebastian. I got to meet Sebastian. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I he was constantly texting me about him. Hey, pray for Sebat, my my coworker. Yeah. Pray for my coworker. And I was like, yeah, cool, okay, I'll, I'll pray for him. And then all of a sudden, he showed up at a Bible study, and I was like, whoa, okay, yeah. this is God moving. And Cody's such a like chill guy, you know. He's just yeah. like kind of like I don't, I kind of didn't expect him to be suddenly uh, telling me about all these people he's bringing to the Lord because it seemed <laughs> yeah. kind of quiet at first. But now he's just like sharing with his coworkers, and that's what I see is uh, is the Spirit is continuing to move despite everything that's going on right now, man. And it, it's it's a blessing. Um, so you're serving in ministry right now, but let's let's kind of go back to your early years of sure. yeah, like what was your upbringing like? Now, if you want to get specific, are you talking about, you know, like things I was fed in elementary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about what you did in second grade. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's, let's go into uh, religiously. Religiously. All right. So as far back as I remember, I do not remember my parents as involved mm-hmm. because, you know, as or mentioned earlier, I grew up Muslim, but, you know, earlier on in my life, it wasn't so much of you know, a strict thing. It was more of like, hey, our family's Muslim, and hey, we'll go to the prayer, we'll, you know, um, we'll celebrate Ramadan, you know, I'll elaborate on that a little bit further, but, you know, we'll celebrate Eid, we'll partake of all of it, but we're not, we're not gonna, um, you know, be strict on everything, you know, it's just the smaller things, mm-hmm. like, you can't eat pork, you can't, you know, um, have girlfriends or boyfriends, things like that. So those are the kind of kinds of things that my parents were, you know, more or less, you know, they they valued. Yeah. But as they, as we we moved around a lot, you know, when I was younger, and I want to say around the time I started getting to six or seven years old, that's when they started putting my siblings and myself into Quran classes, mm-hmm. and you know, it's. You know, just to explain it, the Quran is basically the holy book of the Bible. The Quran is to Islam as the Bible is to Christianity, mm. for those listening that might not know. You know, it's, but it's not just the Quran, it's also, you know, accompanying the Quran is this book called the Hadith, which talks about the prophets, um, the things that he did, and how he supposedly lived a proper Muslim life. Mm. So those were the things that we had to study in Quran class. So, you know, as we started going to Quran class, I found that my parents were a little more strict on, you know, making sure you're reading the Quran, you know, the history of the Quran, you know, they would, as we would move around, I remember we were in Sacramento and there's this huge, um, there's this huge uh, Islamic festival in San Francisco. And when we moved to Sacramento, I believe it was like a three hour drive. So, um, the whole time on our drive to San Francisco, you know, my parents were, you know, talking to us about the importance of Islam and, you know, sharing that, you know, it, Islam is the one true religion, you mm-hmm. know, like all these other religions, you know, like it's, it's fine and all, but you're not going to meet Allah unless you're, you know, mm-hmm. a Muslim. How how old are most of those uh, 
youth who are taking these classes? How old were you when you started? It varies. When I started, again, I believe I was six, six or seven, mm -hmm. but there were kids younger than me. I want to say three or four. Mm -hmm. I have um, two cousins that started Quran classes when they were three and four. Mm -hmm. So um, they start them. They start young, mm -hmm. you know, and one of the things is you're supposed to read the Quran. Then after you've read it, the whole thing from cover to cover a few times, then you start memorizing it. Mm -hmm. And then based on your language and the thing is, is that you have to read in Arabic, even if that's not your primary language. Oh, wow. Because that's one of the hadiths is that. You know, you want to live the life Muhammad lived. And Muhammad was, you know, he was in Saudi Arabia. He read Arabic. So to live like Prophet Muhammad, you would have to read in Arabic. Mm -hmm. And then after you've read the Quran in Arabic a few times, memorized it, then you can start studying translations. Wow. Okay. That's at least what I was taught. Right. I'm not. That's you know, similar. I, I believe that's similar to Judaism. Yeah. How they, they train them. Uh, rigorously in memorizing the Torah, um, it, it, and I know that they they know their word. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that's what they want to, you know, sort of impart in you. But a lot of the times that, you know, I was in these, you know, classes, I wanted to study on my own, you know. But um, I'll get into that in a little bit as well. But you know, I was sharing about how we went down to San Francisco. There were, I want to say, thousands of Muslims there, mm -hmm. thousands upon thousands. And my parents got got us, you know, my brother, sister, and I, they got us this um, children's book. And I want to I want to say there's like 30 or 45 books in there, you know, about different prophets of Islam. Now, one of the things, and... It, you know, that's similar between um, Christianity and Islam is that they share a lot of the same, you know, prophets or, yeah. in, you know, and the patriarchs too. figures of faith, yeah. the patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, but not only that, you know, you know, you, it goes further back to Adam, you know, you have Noah, it's everyone, mm. you know, obviously there's the Arabic names for it, you know, like Adam and, um, like I want to say Joseph is Yusuf, mm. you know, different, different things like that. But, um, they had this book, you know, or this package, I want to say had like 45, like little children's books. And, um, you know, you could read them and they would tell of the Islamic point of view. And that's going to be important. Mm. You know, the Islamic point of view of all these stories, because the Quran doesn't always tell all these stories accurately. Mm. So, Wow. Okay, so you're growing up, you're being trained uh, like this. And when, when do you, were you, did you believe it? Is this something that you were like, okay, this is what's real, and you're growing up as a, as a teenager kind of with this firm belief? As a kid, I didn't really care too much. Okay. It was, you know, it was more just like, okay, I'll just do these classes mm -hmm. and then I'll go home and play some video games, you know? But um, mm -hmm. as I started growing into my teenager years, and we, were really like taking these classes. I remember being interested in the history of it all, you know, like, mm. you know, who was, you know, Prophet Isa, which is Jesus in Arabic, who was, you know, who was um, David, you mm -hmm. know, Th there's Arabic names that we've learned for all of them. And, but, you know, to make it simpler, I'll use the English names. Cool. Now, who's, who was David and what did they do? And I started studying more and I remember I still had that little, 
children's books mm-hmm. of all these prophets and I would read them and you know th- you know some of the same stories like David fighting Goliath and mm. Jesus healing lepers and things like that you know the Quran mentions those things really okay yeah and um I remember being more and more interested and while I was doing Quran classes and you know studying Islamic you know history within these classes I was also doing my own studies, like, you know, different topics I'd be interested in, like, you know, um, the Quran has this, you know, Islam has this figure, it's similar to the Antichrist, but, you know, he's known as the the Jal. Mm -hmm. So they say he's going to do very similar to what the Antichrist is going to do, but a little bit different. They say Jesus is going to come and basically say that the Jal is in control and he is you know, the one we should be under the leadership of. Wow. And, you know, I would ask my, you know, family questions about that. Like, Uh well, what about this? Who is that? Like, like, why is Jesus so important in end times? Mm. And um, a lot of times I would get like, well, you know, my mom would say things like, well, Jesus is just a prophet. You know, he, you know, he is going to come back, but he's not, you know, he's not dead. Allah's just going to bring him back. Why are you asking questions about this? Mm. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so so when did you start thinking that what you believed might not be true or what you were being taught? When did you start thinking that it might not be reality? As soon as I started studying about heaven and hell, like I started getting doubts mm. because, you know, Muslims believe in the afterlife. You know, it's one of the main like three you know monotheistic religions you Mm -hmm. know judaism islam and christianity now while they believe in the afterlife they have different views on the afterlife so you know heaven you have um um, for those or jannah and you have um hell it's jahannam but again i'm just gonna use english words you know they had different views on the afterlife like for one you know, if you if you sin, you know, you could do a good deed and it's going to cover that sin. Hmm. Now, initially, you know, I was like, okay, that sounds good. But then I found myself constantly, constantly, constantly sinning. Because, you know, in my teenager years, you know, like you deal with all these things like hormones and, you mm-hmm. know, all these other like, you know, this rebellious stage. Yeah. And I remember I was, you know, surrounded by a lot of friends. I started getting into music pretty heavily at this point, you know, getting into a band. And um, I found myself, you know, eating pork and things like that. And I remember, you know, thinking to myself, like, well, you know, this isn't really, like, allowed in Islam. But, you know, okay, like, I can do just, I can just do something good and it's going to cover that sin. Yeah. But, you know, as I start studying more, I'm like, there's no guarantee of this, like. Because it says that Allah is all powerful, He's all wise and all knowing, but at the same time, no matter how good of a life you live in the first place, you can be sent to hell just because He wants to send you to hell. Wow. It's not a guarantee. Mm. And as I was studying that, I was like, like, why would I want to believe in that? And then, you know, um, my dad started getting sick. And when he passed away, I remember one of the things my family would say is, you know, if, you know, you live a bad life on this earth, your dad's going to get punished for it. Whoa. Yeah. I was like, how does that even make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, like, 
because he's already passed away. He lived his life and he should be accountable to God, like for all of his actions, not, mm -hmm. you know, my actions. Right. You no, know, I understand there's a way that you raise your child and you should raise them in the, in the right way. But once, you know, they grow up to that age where they can be accountable for themselves, that's, that's up to them. Mm -hmm. The rest of their life is up to them. So I, you know, at that point I started going to the masjid, which is, you know, the Islamic church and I was going and I was listening, but as after my dad passed away, I just started losing faith because this topic of salvation was really like hitting me. Like there's no guarantee. I was like, what's the point? Like, you know, even if, you know, I try and do the best I can, I'm never going to never going to be good enough mm -hmm. you know there are things i want to do you know i'm in this band and you know i i'm enjoying my life right now like i like the bacon <laughs> i like the bacon <laughs> and, oh gosh um, you know i've just slowly started disbelieving and mm. you know as much as i tried to study you know after he passed away as much as i tried to hold faith you know you know, I would finish the Quran after he passed away, mm. finish reading it, you know, and I didn't feel anything, you know, I didn't feel like some great sense of pride or that, you know, <laughs> that Allah was pleased with me because yeah. I'm still doing all the things I was doing, you know, mm. and I didn't feel wrong doing anything. So, you know, I lost faith and I converted to uh, atheism at that point. You know, I was like, you know, i might as well not believe in God because, mm -hmm. you know, for one, Muslims believe Christians are crazy. So I wouldn't even, you know, think about going right. to Christianity. You know, I couldn't even bear the thought of Hinduism, like all these thousands of thousands of gods. You know, I thought that was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the only thing that made sense to me was the fact that I didn't believe in the only religion that could have possibly been true. And there's like a lot of contradictions in it as as it was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went to atheism and I started, you know, just figuring, oh, well, my friends that do believe in God are just, you know. Yeah. How old were you at that point? 17. Okay. 15, 17. Right. 16, 17, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. I was junior year of high school. Gotcha. Okay. So now as an atheist, gosh, how firm were you in that? I didn't study anything. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I wasn't because I studied Islam when I was in Islam. But uh -huh. when I was an atheist, it was more just, you know, like, OK, you know, I would find different questions here and there that would just for me make my atheism stronger. Like, oh, well, if God made the universe, who made God? Yeah. <laughs> you know, questions like that. Mm -hmm. And is there really any meaning in life? And then, you know, I heard different people say things like, oh, well, the Bible has a lot of contradictions, you know, and Islam said that the Bible's been rewritten all the time, you know, for the purpose of different people that rewrote it mm. throughout history. And I just followed things like that. So I was, you know, I would make fun of people, you know, mm -hmm. you know, kind of ask them questions to, you know, stint their faith, I guess. Wow. So, you know, mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't a firm belief. belief. I just didn't want to believe in God. Right, right. I think that's the, as you dive into sin, that's the, the lure is that if you, 
you begin to just fill yourself with the world, with sin. Right. And at that point, if there is a God and he expects you to, to live a certain way, then you don't want to follow that way. So then you say, well, okay, well, then there is no God, and that way I could continue to remain in my sin. And a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see people who are Christian, they get into sin, they get involved in whatever temptation that is, and they begin to practice it, and then they begin to lose their faith. Then they say, oh, well, you know, Darwin says this, evolution says this, scientists say this, philosophers say this, and then they become an atheist sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's losing their faith, and that's what it is. And a lot of times you also see that same person by the Holy Spirit get convicted and be brought back into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what our Jesus does, is he loves us so much that he seeks us out. He desires to have a personal right. relationship with us. And I, I believe that's what yeah. he's done in the book. I know that's what he's done in our lives. Yeah. And for me, you know, like when coming out of Islam with that same exact, you know, background of, you know, like I was already, you know, doing a lot of things that Islam didn't permit, you know, I, I didn't have that, you know, I didn't mm. have that Holy Spirit mm. conviction wanting to bring me back to Islam. I was like, this is it. I'm done. I don't want to go back to Islam. If I go to hell, I go to hell. Yeah. You know, obviously under the accords of what Islam describes, mm -hmm. you know, and. You know, I was I was pretty happy, you know, after, you know, converting. Mm. You know, I was in a band and we were playing a lot of pretty good shows, you know, in you know, my opinion. Like we were playing, you know, this these places like Chain Reaction, Whiskey A Go Go. What kind of music? Like metal. There you go. Okay. <laughs> we started off as a Metallica cover band. There you go. And um <laughs> you know, we started writing our own songs and uh -huh. you know, it, it was pretty cool for me. At yeah. the time, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, man, like, you know, we we get to play shows and we get to go to, you know, backyard parties mm -hmm. after after, you know, the shows, yeah. like after parties. And for me, that was a life, you mm -hmm. know, especially after my dad passed away. I would, you know, leave the house at six in the morning or seven in the morning to go to school, you know, towards my senior end of junior year and beginning most of senior year mm -hmm. and i wouldn't come back until like almost five the next morning yeah you know because we i would we would just be practicing or we'd be you know going to parties and we'd be doing our own thing and um you know for me it was just like this is like where i see my life right you know, doing whatever i want to mm -hmm. not being told not having to live by anything but um I still had some of the values, you know, I still respected, you know, my family. I would still go to the mosque. I would still, you know, like pretend not like I'm praying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I would celebrate the, you know, holidays with my family. I still had all of that, but there was no, no draw for me back to Islam. Mm. You know, you know, even in my own family, I saw it was more just, you know, we're Muslims by name. We're not even, you know, the women aren't wearing the hijabs, the coverings that Islam asks that women should wear. You know, the men aren't praying five times, you know, and I, it, things like that, you know, observations like that made me feel better. Like, yeah, well, what I'm doing isn't really that different. I know I have certain uncles that drink beer and Islam, you know, doesn't permit that. Mm. So, 
you know, things like that really, you know, I was pretty, made me pretty like okay with what I was doing. Right. So I didn't see any wrong at mm. the time. And when did you, when, what was it that made you start to feel convicted or what, what brought you into that conviction? Honestly, I had at, at the time of all those activities, it wasn't more so of, um, I myself felt the conviction until I had this friend in high school, um, Rebecca mm -hmm. and, um, Re Rebecca was a Christian and, you know, her and her brother Matthew were pretty, you know, pretty cool people. You know, they were always like really nice, really nice to me, really nice to everyone around them from what I always saw, you know, Rebecca was always laughing or smiling. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things that was kind of crazy was that, you know, I've, even before my dad passed away, Rebecca and I would, you know, always like write these letters to each other, mm -hmm. just like constant letters j just to pass through high school. And um, after my dad passed away, a lot of these letters, she would say, you should try reaching out to Jesus. Mm. You should try praying to Jesus or you should come to my church and let people pray for you. You know, and I, a lot of times I would say, no, no, I don't want to. Like, mm. like, like, stop, stop doing this or stop telling me this. I don't want to, you know, be a part of any of that. Mm. I'm doing my own thing. And. I don't really believe in God. Right. But she, she wouldn't stop. You know, she still prayed. And I know she would say things like, I'm praying for you. You know, especially at moments where I got really sad, you know, or mm -hmm. remembered my dad. You know, and we just had this, like, form of communication letters that would just, like, you know, help me, like, get through, you know, things that were, times that were tough. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, I didn't realize it, but having someone to do that with that was Christian, you know, they weren't encouraging me to, you know, go out and be doing bad things. You know, a lot of times I would, you know, like invite her to some of the parties we'd go to and she wouldn't want to do any of it. And it wasn't until um, at the time, you know, we were, you know, um, starting to have this interest towards each other, you know, like romantic mm. interest. And, um, you know, I believe that this was towards senior year of high school. And um, I asked her out to prom. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I asked her to prom, and um, one of the things that she had done was she invited me to church. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. <laughs> and um, I was like, um, okay, but why? And she was like, well, you should come hear me worship. You know, because she had tried all of the come to church here, you know, mm -hmm. let us pray for you or, you know, hear the sermon, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that. And, you know, none of that worked. So then she was like, just hear the worship. Just hear me sing. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. You know, it's a simple request, you know, and I had, you know, for one, I had this romantic interest in her. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing was. I kind of viewed it as a local musician support other local musicians right, kind of mentality. Right. So I was like, okay, I'll just come to hear you sing and then I'll leave after the service. I mean, um, after you sing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, that's fine. So, um, you know, I went to church that first time. And I want to say that was May. No, sorry. I want to say that was April. April of 2014. And, um, she, you know, it was that Sunday and 
one of the things that was crazy, actually, now that I'm remembering, is about a week, you know, after, after hold up, backtrack, backtrack. Mm-hmm. When my dad passed away, I, for about a year after he passed away, I would start having these dreams about the exact moment that he passed away. I was mm-hmm. right there when he passed away, like right next to him. And, um, you know, for about a year, you know, I, it wouldn't be daily. It wouldn't be an everyday thing, but almost every week, you know, maybe two or three times I w- in my dream, I would recall the moment he passed away and, um, you know, I would wake up and it would, I wouldn't want to go back to sleep. So that was part of why I was always involved with being out or midnight drives or parties or things like that, mm. you know, and, um, um, about a week or so before she, you know, that, you know, she invited me to church that first time. I, um, I remember waking up from one of these dreams and I remember, I th- believe I called out, you know, I'm, it's not going to be word for word. I believe I called out and I was more or less saying, if there is a God out there or any God, you know, if you're real, like stop these dreams. Mm. I don't want, I don't want to dream about this anymore. And, um, you know, that was my first time calling out to God, you know, like really calling out. And, um, once she had invited me to church, you know, I, I went and I remember not even thinking about that dream or anything cause I was still having the dreams. So I didn't, I didn't think anything of it, but as I was going to that church, the first time Calvary Chapel into light. It's in fact the same church I've been going to six years later. Wow. Um, I remember how like happy everyone was. I was greeted by this older couple, you know, Karen and Ruben, who are you know like, "Hi, welcome to the church." And they gave me this <laughs> big old hug, uh-huh. and I remember like, "I don't know who you are. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why are you hugging me right now?" And um. You know, Ruben was like, hey, brother, like, welcome to, you know, our church. You know, mm-hmm. I hope you enjoy your time here. And he pulled me into that little bro hug, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, yeah. And um, Bring it in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And um, I was so tripped out, you know, because in my, like, about 18 years at that time of being a Muslim, I had never been greeted like that, mm. like, by anyone except for, you know, my own family. Or, you know, my teacher at the time. And that was it. Like, strangers wouldn't greet each other. It was just a common thing, you know. Like, family would greet family after the Islamic service was over and go eat or go to their homes. And that was that was it. So, it was crazy to me that, you know, there were these greeters. I would just greet, greet people, welcome people in. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going into this, the sanctuary at the time. You know, I... I want to say the church holds about 220 or something chairs, but I sat all the way in the back left corner and I just sat there. I was just observing different people, like all like smiling and say hi, saying hi to everyone. And, um, you know, I've had a few people say hi and things like that, but I, for the most part, didn't go out of my way to talk to anyone. And, um, the worship team comes up and I see my friend Rebecca there and, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, cool. All right. So, um, you know, being a bassist and electric guitarist, I was mostly focused on, you know, those guys like, Oh, you Mm -hmm. know, it's going to be really corny music and corny songs. But, um, as they went on, I 
two songs I remember specifically of, that they would sing was um, Oceans and How He Loved How mm-hmm. He Loves Us. Yeah, and I was like so blown away by those songs. You know, Oceans more more so because um, everyone was singing along to it. You know right. that part where it goes like Spirit lead me where mm-hmm. you know. And I remember hearing everyone singing that and like, like feeling like in my heart, like, wow, there's like something going throughout this church. Mm. Like, it's like something flying within these people. Right. You know, and I was so blown away like that. Everyone could be worshiping like that. Right. And at the time, I didn't know if it was worship. I, you know, what I just thought was, you know, people were singing along to this song, but it almost seemed to me like they were singing it with a strong belief in their heart, like with power, you know, and, you know, at the time I didn't know it, but that was the Holy Spirit in right. the people, you know, singing this song with a conviction. Mm. And, um, when I, when it came to how he loves us, I was thinking more of, you know, the lyrics of the song, you know, and we are his portion and he's our pride, you know, drawn to the redemption by the grace in his eyes. Mm. You know, and I was, you know, thinking about these lyrics and then just the simple, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us, you know, and just like, wow. You know, yeah. I've never experienced songs like that. You know, I've been doing Metallica and, you mm-hmm. know, most of our stuff is like really loud, really fast. Mm-hmm. And this, this music was, you know, it wasn't just soft. It wasn't just, you know, um, you know, so, unlike an opposite of everything I was doing, mm. but it was powerful in right. its words. It was powerful. And, um, I, I found myself mesmerized when, when, you know, the announcements guy came up and he told everyone to, you know, Oh, you know, turn around and greet one another. I kind of like sulked away and went to the back and to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But, um, I found myself coming back cause I heard the music coming in again. I guess it was for the offerings. So I stayed for the message and I want to, I want to say at the time he was going through Hebrews, but I know for a fact that his whole message, that first time I went to church was entirely on Jesus, Mm. like all about Jesus, like who he was, you know? And I was, I, I remember being so blown away, like, like, wow, this is not the Jesus I grew up to believe in, you know? And you know, I stayed throughout the whole message and, you know, after the service was over, um, Rebecca and her whole family, I was close with her family at this time. Um, you know, they're kind of asking me like, Hey, well, what, what, what did you think about the service? Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's something real about this, you know, like there's some, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something real. And then they're like, do you want to give your life to God? I'm like, no. I was like, I, I'm, you know, still happy where I'm at, you know, and I, I want to, you know, like maybe, you know, finish up with my band. You know, we were planning, I think we were going to be getting signed in Vegas at the time, or supposedly we we're like, they were going to be trying to get us a deal in Vegas mm-hmm. at that time. And, um, I told her, I was like, I'm not ready for that. And, um, you know, that was that. And I went to church with her a couple more times after that, but I would just hear the worship and then I would leave. Mm. I I didn't stay for services after yeah. that. But her family and I were still close. And I, um, her brother, Matthew, 
would um, have these Bible studies and this in Cerritos, they have this place called the sculpture garden and he would have Bible studies there after classes, after high school was over. And um, I remember the first Bible verse I've ever, I ever heard was um, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, for, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I remember that verse and I remember being like thinking about it and thinking about it. And that summer I was going to pack um, Pakistan and that that verse was just really, really kind of neat to me. You know, I, I think one of the appeals for me was the fact that I didn't have to read this Bible or I didn't, you know, all the verses I heard from this, you know, Bible weren't in a different language, mm -hmm. you know, they were very understandable. So that was one of the things that was kind of drawing me to, I think. But, um, as I went to Pakistan that summer, I didn't really think about it too further. You know, my entire family in Pakistan's Islamic. It's a, a primarily Islamic country. So um, at the time we went, it was also so happened to be the month of Ramadan, which is you're fasting. You're fasting and you're focusing primarily on Allah. Mm. And although I wasn't a Muslim at the time, I was partaking of the fasting you know, for my own dietary right. <laughs> benefit. And uh, how long is that Ramadan? It's a month. Okay. It's a month. So an entire 30 days, but it's, it's not just in the month of June. You know, if you're curious, it's they the Islamic calendar is a lunar calendar. So they base it on, you know, the moon, they base it on like full moons and things like that. I'm not entirely sure. I can't tell you exactly how it works, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it was in June around that time when Ramadan came around. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in Pakistan, it's like hot all the time, <laughs> like always hot. Uh -huh. You know, when I remember I got there, I think at like 2 a.m. and it was 95 degrees. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we didn't really do much. So a lot of the times that I was there, you know, I was fasting and I was just, staying at my relative's home, you know, just on, we had a tablet and we'd connect to their Wi-Fi over there. And I would just be talking to Rebecca and her family. Mm. You know, I, I think Matthew was going on a missions trip to Japan at that time. And, um, Rebecca was still, you know, in the United States and, you know, I would talk to Rebecca and I would talk to her mom and, um, you know, at, I want to say around July it was she we were having this conversation and she kind of mentioned that we shouldn't be talking to each other anymore. Mm. And um I remember, you know, kind of like like well that sucks like yeah. like you know, we've been friends That's for why. all these years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um I remember saying she had to stop talking but cuz I, I where I was it was midnight. So over here it was noontime. So um, I, I don't know what she was doing, but I started talking to her mom about the whole situation. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? I'm, you know, like respecting mm -hmm. her, you know, I'm not doing anything. And she was like, why haven't you given your life over to Jesus? Mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, what? Like, why should I answer that? I thought that mm -hmm. was like such an abrupt question. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, that's not helping the situation. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, she was like, she's like, Rebecca's been praying for you. Like, 
you know. And um, I remember throughout the conversation, you know, she was kind of just like, you know, if, you know, you've done all these different things in your life, you know, you've, you know, driven without a license, you know, and I, at the time, you know, I was telling you that I would go on these midnight drives and parties and things like that. I was really depressed too. Mm. You know, I was happy, but you know, like underneath it all, I was like really depressed as well. You know, I was kind of like, like, you know, things aren't really like that great. I mean, I'm partying, I'm in this band and we're going to get signed, but there's not like a real like peace mm. or anything, you know? And, um, I want to say the dreams contributed to that, but I tried doing a lot of things and you know, I, tried drugs and I tried, you know, driving and getting myself, you know, into car accidents just, you know, to see how it would feel, you know, possibly even like do real damage. Mm. And, um, um, you know, Rebecca's mom brought that up and she would say, you know, like you've done all these things and you're still here, you know, you still, you know, you have a license now, you know, you have people that care about you, you know, you've been to the church and you even said yourself, it's real. You know, like you've seen God's hand move in your life. You know, just think about that alone. Think about God's hand moving in in your life. And, um, you know, I was laying on the floor at that time. You know, <laughs> it's just like kind of sprawled out on the yeah, floor. Yeah, so hot. Is it, <laughs> humid so hot. Out, is it humid out there too or is it a dry super, heat? Super humid. Oh, that's the worst. So, okay. you know, like I was, you know, laying on the floor and the fan was going. And um, I remember when she asked that, I actually did start thinking about all of it, you know, mm. I was like, and I remember I started crying and I was like, it was really overwhelming. Like, you know, I really had God's hand in my life before I even like believed in him. Before, even when I was believing in, you know, something totally different, mm. you know, God's hand was in my life. And, um, you know, I, after like a couple of minutes, I want to say it was, I, you know, texted her back and I, I said, uh, how do I give my life over? You know? Whoa, just like that. Yeah. I was like, man. And I, I'm not sure how she responded to that, but I, I don't remember all of the conversation. What was, what was your thought process? You're laying on the floor there and you're thinking about how God is has his hand in your life. You were just going through the flashbacks of your life or yeah. what, what made you start to think the Christian God is the God I'm looking for? It was mostly flashbacks. Wow. You know, it was like, you know, the, there were a couple of times where I would drive by myself and I would black, black out while driving mm. <laughs> and um, I'd wake up and I would, you know, be perfectly fine. You know, like, how does that happen? Right. You know, and, um, you know, it would be flashbacks. And then not only that, but at that time, I remember that prayer I had prayed. You know, if there's any God mm -hmm. out there, stop these dreams. And I hadn't had those dreams, you know, not since that prayer, but since that first time I went to church. Because I remember that after that prayer, I still had those dreams for that week. But when I had went to church, when I felt that, you know, realness of what the pastor was teaching about, you know, I stopped having the dreams. I want to say it's because at that point I started recognizing there's something real about mm -hmm. this God. And um, um, Rebecca's mom just sort of snapped that into place for me. It was like, like all of that, all of those things that happened in my life 
aren't attributed to just dumb luck. Mm-hmm. They were attributed to a God that was calling me mm-hmm. without my even like noticing. It's like I had these headphones on. I can't hear anything, mm-hmm. but take off the headphones when I went to church and I started hearing, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then what she said was more just like a, you know, almost like a slap to the face of mm-hmm. who God is. Yeah. Wow. So what was the next step? You, you just, she walked you through the sinner's prayer. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So it was a sinner's prayer. And I remember I did the sinner's prayer on sprawled out on the floor and uh sun. And I remember kind of getting up and like, you know, thinking there's going to be like some like, like, (laughs) yeah, there wasn't, but (laughs) my mom walked into the room like that very instant. You know, I was like, wow, I'm a Christian now. And she she like looked at me and she was like, "Don't joke about that. That's not funny." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I'm serious. I'm a Christian now." And, and you know, she just wasn't having it. So I didn't think I should tell anyone else in the family at that time. Right. So I didn't really tell anyone. But for the rest of my trip in Pakistan, I was there from I want to say it was June to August, and um. You know, again, this was July when I gave my life to the Lord. Um, For the rest of my trip, Rebecca and her mom both would share with me what, you know, they were studying, you know, at church. I remember I was just like so blown away. Like, and, you know, I would, I would start praying before my meals, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, obviously being surrounded by Muslim family, I would kind of do one of these things, like look around, like, like, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I think some Christians still do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know, but I would just look around and I would pray for my meal, and I just started feeling mm-hmm. like the change in like my perspective of life. And um, you know, I remember um, it was just like a total transformation. I think of this mentality. I I still wanted to be in my band mm-hmm. at the time. You know, we had. You know, I kind of convinced myself, I was like, okay, when I get back, you know, I'll be in this band, but, you know, I can change, you know, kind of our direction and, you know, we'll write some pretty inspirational songs. We already had this one, you know, inspirational song and Mm -hmm. I had written a couple of instrumentals about, you know, my dad's passing, you know, but Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we're going to write about good things, things that are going to inspire people. I think that's a very Christian thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But, um. It, it wasn't more of that because when I came back, I n- know that my um, bandmates were still kind of, one of my bandmates, he was my best friend. Um, he was into drugs mm. and um, he would still ask, still ask for, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey man, let's go do this. Let's go do that. And I was like, I can't, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't want to do any of that anymore. And, um, you know, I basically gave them a time limit you know, and this is, I'm kind of telling the story out of order a little bit. That's fine. But, yeah. um, you know, just kind of to talk about the transformation of, you know, what accepting Jesus into my life, you know, has done. You know, I quit my band after like two shows after, you know, becoming a Christian mm-hmm. and um, three shows, I think it was. But um, I remember um, 
you know, being excited to study again, like, and not just, you know, not just study, you know, the Bible because, you know, like I want to know the stories, but, you know, like actually know what truth is. Right. Because I had been in Islam and I wasn't going to do something like that to myself again. You know, if I'm going to believe in Christianity, I wanted to study all the counter points to Christianity too and see like, Mm. you know, weigh the scales. So that's one of the things I told myself I was going to do, you know, Mm -hmm. while I was in Pakistan. When Mm -hmm. I come back, I'm going to study, you know, going to seek God. I'm going to really try and, you know, find out what I'm believing in because I'm surrounded by atheist friends and my family's Muslim and, you know, I need to know what I believe. Right. In. I think that's a healthy thing to do too is, uh, I was, I've been talking about this with a few people lately. Uh, sometimes we're scared to look at other views. Yeah. Sometimes we think, well, we identify so much with our ideas that when we're challenged with it, when we're challenged with our, our belief in, in Jesus Christ, it challenges our, our own identity and we're fearful. Right. I think what Christians need to remember is that our identity in Christ, we're identifying with the creator of the universe. We don't yeah. need to be fearful of that, our identity in Christ being challenged. Even Satan himself, he has no power to pull us away from Jesus. Yeah. So it, it would be our own temptation we're, we're, when we allow ourselves to, to, to walk away. But I encourage people, you know, get grounded in your faith, be ready to give a defense in season. Be yeah. ready, and then yeah. when you, when when you're as you're maturing, be able to know what other people think. Be able to know what other people believe, because I I believe it it will strengthen your own faith, and then you're also you're allowing for yourself to create an environment where you're not shutting out other people right away because they view something different right. you're opening yourself up to being can you converse with someone and show them love and show them truth and show them light even though they have a completely different view than you yeah. and i i think that's super valuable I'm, I'm glad you've taken that that's something that i think kind of when i first met you, you kind of drew me to you right right away is <laughs> your, how you had that mindset so you started to do that and um what did you find as you were studying I looked a lot into more of, um, you know, okay, why do Muslims really say, you know, that Christianity's, you know, or like some of the claims that Muslims have about Christianity, like for one, you know, the Bible's been changed over time, you know, people have rewrote the Bible or, you know, other things like, did Jesus really die? Did really, did he really die on the cross? Muslims Mm -hmm. don't say that he died on the cross. They say God put someone else in his place to die. And um, mm. God just took him up to heaven. So, um, you know, I looked at claims like that. And, you know, it's kind of hard to st- study because I didn't really know where to look. I didn't know where to go. But when I came back from Pakistan, I had my worship pastor now who I serve with. Um, he He gave me books. He would give me books to read, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know answers that Christians have for Muslim questions and I would study these books. I still have them in at my home, you know, like this um, author named Ron Rhodes. I think he writes uh, good news, my Muslim friends, mm. you know, and um, 
a few few other ones that I would just read, and then like I would look online about like Muslim testimonies of pe- people that converted from Islam to Christianity and came to know the Lord, and things like that were very encouraging to me. And you know, as I found myself back in America and starting to really go to church, I I remember you know my mom starting to realize that okay you know he's kind of serious about this like. You know, he's been going to church mm-hmm. and you know, that's not a good thing, you know, for, you know, someone with my background, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they were kind of very disappointed. So one of the things my fam- family, my mom really did was um, she had me go to imam is another word for a preacher in mm-hmm. Islam. She had me go to the imam of my uncle's church. So I remember after... Um, a college class at this time. I remember going to this um, masjid where I had to meet with the imam. I met my, with my uncle first. Mm-hmm. My uncle was just like, you know, um, your dad really believed in this religion. You know, your dad was really strong in this. So, you know, I think you should just come back to Islam and, you know, that be that. Mm-hmm. Really study it and you'll find the truth of Islam. And, you know, billions of, you know, Muslims believe in this, you know, Islam and, you know, it's the fastest growing religion in the world. So I remember like kind of like thinking about this as I was supposed to meet the meet this imam and I didn't know what what to expect. So I initially I tried to see if I could have one of my pastors come along and, you know, kinda kinda like see a debate go mm-hmm. go down between the two. But my pastor just said, Just study a word and, you know, pray that the spirit speaks through you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've if you truly study the Bible before you meet this guy and just be honest with him about what you believe, be honest with him about the things that you don't know, you know, and tell him like, I don't know. He was like, I, he was like, I don't know if you're going to meet with him in the future, but tell him, you know, if you don't know the answer to a question, you'll look it up, you'll study it and you'll get back to him. Mm. So that's kind of what happened as I went to um, discuss with this imam and, he, you know, he just more so asked questions about why I converted to Islam, or Christianity, sorry. And, you know, I told him, I was like, because Jesus is good, you know, because mm. Jesus, Jesus is God. He died on the cross for me. And, you know, I know now that no matter how many laws, you know, there are, you know, I could never be perfect, you mm. know, because I'm a sinful person. And I remember telling him that, you know, Jesus being the perfect man died on the cross so I could be free, you know, of all the sins, you know. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't so like, uh, I wasn't so elegant with my words, but, you know, I remember kind of praying under my breath, like, Holy Spirit, please, like, Mm -hmm. just be with me. (laughs) You know, I don't want to just like blabber. I want to, you know, speak something that's going to minister to this person. This was like two months into being a Christian, yeah. you know, coming back from Pakistan. And um, a- after our meeting, you know, you know, the imam did ask some questions I didn't know the answers to. Like he asked me to explain the Trinity and I didn't didn't really know how to explain mm-hmm. that too much. You know, I was like, I'll study it more, but I know it's not three gods. Yeah. Like I know it's one God revealed in three different persons. Yeah, I uh, still struggle with that, <laughs> with explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's an interesting, you know, it, it's an, it's definitely an interesting way to um, 
you know, get someone to really think, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, well, it's, you know, Trinity, is it three gods or is it one God, you know, right. one God? how can it be three gods? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's not, but again, you know, you got to study, you, right. you have to study. It's important. And, um, I, I, after the meeting, my mom tried to reschedule another meeting with him and he didn't want to meet again. Mm. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and you know, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. I was like more, more so glad. Like I was like, Oh, thank you. I don't have to do that again. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, he didn't want to meet again. And he just kind of told my mom, like, he's just going to believe in what he believes. Like eventually when she was able to contact with him, um, he's going to believe what he believes. And, you know, you, know, you just got to pray for him that Allah is going to bring him back. Wow. Six years later. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, that's awesome. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So explain then the dynamic between your family starts to find out that you're a Christian. Right. What happens to you? So, you know, coming back from um, Pakistan, you know, as I've been going to church, you know, um, my, my family, like I was mentioning, wasn't very pleased about it. They felt disappointed. They felt like I've been backstabbing them. And that hasn't changed too much, you know, from mm. then to now. Right. Um, I think especially as you grow in your faith more and more. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to say within a month of me being back from um, from Pakistan, I moved out. Mm. I moved out. I might be jumbling, like mixing up some of the things. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll yeah. send the, the FBI to find out what the mm-hmm. truth was. Like we'll find out what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I moved out from my family because you know they were they were not willing at all for, you know, the car I was driving for one was my mom's car, Mm -hmm. you know? So she had, she had every right to say, you cannot take this car, you know, to, um, to, you know, the church. And then she was like, if you want to be going to church, you can't live with me. So Mm -hmm. I remember I went to move in with Rebecca's family and, you know, obviously at the time I didn't realize that that wasn't probably the best choice, you know, moving (laughs) to (laughs) Go ahead. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I moved in with Rebecca's family, but they drove me to church every every Sunday, every Wednesday. You know, I went to the, the young adult Bible studies mm-hmm. with them, which I'm, you know, still going to right now. And, um, you know, it, it was awesome. It was awesome for me to be able to constantly be going to church like that because when I was living with my mom, you know, granted, it was just a month, but I wasn't able to go every Sunday or every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I was able to go to the EXP Bible studies, the young adult ones I've been mentioning. I was able to go to a few Sundays, but not all of them. Yeah. So, or did you feel like you had to kind of uh, be covert in in everything you did related to Christianity? No. No. Okay. There were sometimes I would lie. There were sometimes, mm. you know. The times I lied wasn't more so because I wanted um I wanted to hide the fact that I was going to church. It was more my intention was to protect my mom, mm-hmm. you know, because I would see like it was almost like her heart was breaking. Mm. 
you know, because after my dad passed away, you know, for one, I'm, you know, going out all the time. I'm never home. You know, I wasn't there for her. And then now, you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, I've essentially, you know, disappointed my mom. So she's, you know, feels like she hasn't really had a chance to be with me, you know, mm. who or at least who she wants me to be, you know, and um, a lot of times I would lie about going to um, church would only be because I didn't want to see that look of heartbreak in her eyes mm. every time I would tell her because, you know, I would be like, okay, I can't lie, can't lie, shouldn't lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I should tell her I'm going to church. But then when I would see that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to a friend's house right now. We're going to get some breakfast. Yeah. You know, and um, so in terms of that, that's where I was, you know, I still wasn't, you know, still was kind of trying to find out, I guess, the balance of, you know, okay, you know, I want to live better. I want to be better. I want to be truthful with my mom, you know, instead of, you know, just being out all the time. I want to be there for her, but I want to be there for her in a way that I don't have to compromise what I believe in. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when she said the whole deal, the whole spiel about moving out, you know, if I'm going to still go to church, I was took that, you know, I was like, okay, then, you know, I will move out. Yeah. You know, I'm moving in with my girlfriend. (laughs) 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 Uh, You didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah. You're good. You're good. (laughs) No, it wasn't the best choice again, but, um, you know, um, you know, I was like, I just kind of took that as, you know, her kicking me out and being okay with it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to accept this. Mm. And over time, as I was living with um, Rebecca's family, I, you know, my mom asked me to come back under, you know, certain conditions. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, I wasn't really working, so I couldn't really contribute anything to Rebecca's family, you know, like I was living there, but I was like living there for free. So it wasn't wasn't a good time, mm-hmm. but as I moved back to my mom's house, she said, "Okay, you can move back, but don't share what you believe with anyone in the family. Like, don't share with your siblings, don't share with your cousins, don't do any of that." And then the other thing was, um, she would say, um, "Go back to you know college," because I had to drop out. You know, when I moved out, I didn't have a vehicle or anything, and then. The third thing I think she was saying was, you have to come to the masjid with me every now and then when mm-hmm. I ask you to come yeah. with me. And I said, okay, you know, I'll do that. So, you know, I moved back with my mom and that was tw- 2015 to 2017, May of 2017 that I was living with her. And over the course of that two years and a half, I saw the tension growing, mm. like, it was, it would get bad. Like we would argue all the time, you know, she would scream at the top of her voice, you know, and a lot of times I would see her, you know, like when I would get up to go to church in the morning, like she would just be sitting in the living room and she would just look at me and like try and convince me not to go. And the tension was just growing. And yeah. Growing. Well, what do you think it, it was for her? Is this, this a sense of, of culture that is leaving you or is it more of a sense of, she strongly has this belief that you are going to basically go to hell in her point of view. 
She never said anything about going to hell. It was, I want to say it was more culture and tradition. Interesting. Okay. You know, um, you know, to this day, my family has never said once you're going to go to hell for what you're doing mm. to this day. You know, they've more so taken the stance that, oh, you know, you've abandoned your father's religion. You've um, turned away from what your family believes in because, you know, of some girl, mm. you know, and that's what they still kind of hold to this day that I'm a Christian just because of some girl, mm. you know, you know. Which is not true. It's not. Yeah. You know, and... You know, there there were people that initially thought that at first, not you know just my mm -hmm. family, but you know when I came to the church, you know, I was still you know interested in Rebecca, but I was still s studying, and there were a lot of people that were thinking, oh, okay, he's just you know a seasonal Christian. He's just as soon as things gets get hard, he's gonna you know turn away because he's only in this for you know her, but over time, you know. I guess people, my family included, started realizing that, you know, it's not really about any person. It's mm. about God. It, for me, it's always been about God, you know, and, you know, despite breaking up with, you know, Rebecca, like, years um, after, you know, coming to the Lord, I'm still seeking the Lord, mm -hmm. you know, still trying to read more of his word. And... You know, I, I think for a lot of Christians now today, you know, when things get rough or when you go through some tough time in life, you know, we f find it like very hard to want to study more. We find it very hard to want to almost like fall back into God's arms mm -hmm. and let him, you know, you know, essentially be the guide for your life. Yeah. You know, like it, because it's not really. It's not really, you know, like us living our lives and reaching out to God whenever things go wrong. Like we we are essentially, you know, the Bible says once you go from being a slave to sin, you're a slave to, you know, righteousness, mm -hmm. you know, you're a slave of God. Yeah. You know, you don't lose that status of slaves, but you're free from, you know, sin. But that's not to say that things aren't going to go wrong in life, you know. Right. You know, the Bible has countless um countless um references to when things go wrong you know where to rejoice in that you know you find that in james you find that in peter you know and um for me when things would go wrong in my life and my family and people around me would think that i was gonna turn away i just would be happy like this mm. is a learning experience yeah <laughs> and that's what it needs to be but um you know, I would constantly find myself, you know, leaning on the Lord and my mom would get further and further upset with that, you know, to kind of bring it back to that. You know, she'd get more and more upset. And um, I remember it took a toll on me as well. Start, you know, coming to like 2017, I found myself, you know, starting to really struggle in my faith because I, one of the first prayers of 2017 as I was starting that new year was, okay, God, um, I know I'm not going to be growing more and, you know, living under this home. Mm -hmm. I know I'm eventually going to come to the point where I'm going to break and I'm going to want to make compromises, you know, um, and help me to know, do I need to move out? 
Mm. You know, do I need to leave? And um, almost immediately, I remember reading the Bible verse about God calling Abraham to leave his home. You know, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like you know take six months or take this amount of time and go. He just said, "Go, leave your land and go to this place that I'm calling you to go." And um, mm-hmm. I remember sharing that with a pastor, and the pastor, you know, um, told me this. You know, he was like, "Then you have to go. You have to listen to that." And this is in January of 2017 at the time, and I was like, "Okay, you know, I I hear that, but I'm." Like, where do I go? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> just like Abraham, right? Where, didn't yeah. tell you, say where to go. He just said go. Yeah, and I was like, okay, where do I go? I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be homeless. I don't want like I was like really struggling with that. I don't want to like be on the streets. I knew someone at the time who wanted to follow Jesus, but he was on the streets, and you know, I saw the things that he got into. You know, he got into drugs. He got into drug dealing, and um, I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I got to I got to stay with my family, you know, because I'll, I'll still go to church, but you know, I have nowhere to go. And um I as things started getting more intense with my mom through the coming months from January 2017 mm-hmm. through May, which is when I eventually moved out, you know, I started bringing that up in prayer more to different people. You know, you know, things are getting more intense with my family. I'm you know, going to lose for one, I'm going to lose my, um, like, my house. You know, I'm not going to have a job. I was working with my uncle at that time. You know, um, the car I had, you know, my mom was, you know, helping me pay, right. for, pay for the gas and all those different things. So I, I was like, I'm going to be lost with all, without any of these. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was so concerned. And throughout the months, you know, Three different families, like, kind of stood up and they were like, you know, if you need a place to go, we'll take you in. Including, you know, the home I'm at right now. Mm. It was one of the homes. And um, um, I remember as well, you know, when I left, when, when I ended up leaving, someone from my church also offered me a job. And then, you know... I got to keep the car for a little bit, but then at the time when my mom started asking for a back, I got into a car accident. <laughs> and um, you have it back now, mom. <laughs> I know. It's like shoot, but um, um, one of the, the head usher from my church gave me his '94 Crown Victoria mm-hmm. for free. Oh, whoa! <laughs> for There's free, the Lord. no cost. Uh huh. And I was like so blown away, but. You know, in that time of, um, you know, those months where I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed, God's calling me to move out, but I don't know where to go. I don't know how to take that step of faith. You know, like there, there are factors that, you know, I don't know, you know, are they going to come into place or not? Or am I going to have a job? Am I, you know, going to, you know, have a vehicle, you know, what's going to go on? And, um, it was amazing, you know? You know, um, my friend Cassandra, um, it, it was really amazing. We were friends at the time, but, um, I remember one Sunday I was just really, really depressed. You know, that morning I had, I, I was still living with my mom. I had gotten up and I want to say it was, 
I was on the worship team at this time. Mm-hmm. So we had to meet at church at 7.15. I would get up at 6 o'clock, you know, get ready and everything and head off to church. And I remember taking a shower and everything. And I had my guitar and my amp. And I started walking to the car and my mom was in the living room. Without, she didn't say a word. She just looked at me. And, you know, she got up. And she just went to her room and went to sleep. Yeah. She didn't say anything. But that look mm-hmm. like, killed me. And I hadn't gotten much sleep the night before, you know, I was, I think I was just up watching shows and stuff, but, um, you know, I was, so I was tired that day of, um, worship and I was kind of upset and I was like really angry. I was like, my whole family thinks like I betrayed them. They think, you know, I don't care about them or I don't love them anymore. And that's not, that's not the truth. And, you know, here God is asking me to move out, but, you know, I feel like I'm just going to break my mom's heart more, and, you know, I want to serve the Lord, but I also want to make my mom, like, happy, mm-hmm. you know, because she doesn't have my dad anymore, and all these thoughts were going through my head, and I reached out to Cassie, and I was, you know, asked, I basically asked her, you know, to, um, like, give me some advice, so um, we met at this subway, and you know, I was just kind of like sharing her the dilemma I was in and my heart about the whole situation. And um, she she had told me, um, well, you know, you've seen that God's calling you to move out. You know that he's um, providing for you. You know, he's going to provide you a place to stay. You know, you know, um, he's going to provide you with, you know, work. You know, you just got to take that step of faith in him. But you know that the fact that he is calling you to move out and you're not means that you're disobeying, you're Ooh. disobeying him. <laughs> and that hit me. <laughs> yeah. That hit me pretty, pretty hard. And it had been for some months at that time, huh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. This was May. Mm-hmm. Like I want to say it was, you were told in January, you said, yeah. Oof. First for like basically the first of yeah. January. Late obedience is disobedience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, at that point, I had been a Christian for three or four years, three or four years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like that hit me pretty hard. You know, she was like, you're disobeying him. And that resonated with me. And I was I told her, I was like, OK, I'm going to talk to my mom when I go home and I'm going to move out again. <laughs> yeah. And um, she was like, well, if you need help, you know, my family is going to be there for you. Um, I believe she was saying, you know, her dad, she, when she had told her dad about it, you know, her dad was offering to you know, take his truck and help me get all my things. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I knew that people were there. I knew this was God calling me because people were offering to help. And I was so thankful for that. You know, I, I ended up taking everything in my car, like over the next two days, because I had told the family, like kind of last minute, I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to move in <laughs> this week. Mm-hmm. But they had been preparing for me, I guess. They had, you know, been preparing for me to move in with them for some time. Like, I can't exactly remember when they told me that they were willing to take me in, whether it was April the month before or March, two Mm -hmm. months prior. But they, you know, they were down the street from my church, too. Like, literally two minutes from my church. Mm. So that was, you know, like, one of the things, you know, I was like, wow, like, I don't need a car. I can, like, literally just walk to church. And, um, you know, I had told them and they were like, okay, we're ready for you. So, um, I moved in, moved in that Wednesday after that conversation with Cassie Mm -hmm. and, 
you know, I, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been almost three years. It's been almost three years since I've been moved out from that point to now. And, um, I've really seen, you know, not just from the car, you know, that I was given from the jobs that people, every job I've had since moving out from, um, since moving out from my mom's house has been because someone in the church has been like, Hey, there's a job here. Yeah. There's a job here for you. Yeah. I think since I've met you, you've had at least like five jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe like three. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. How many, how many, um, I think how many driving jobs have you had? Um, two. And then how many, uh, you're a, a kind of a, not a social worker, but, uh, I had, um, when we first met, uh-huh. I was working at this company called De Todo. Uh-huh. I was um, delivering products and different things like that to different uh, Latino supermarkets. Mm-hmm. And um, then after I um, left that job, I had this like temporary um, warehouse job. And then I've been at the job that I'm at right now. So as a care worker, right? I work with people with disabilities. And how many disabilities jobs or how many jobs like that have you had? None. This is my first. This one. is your first one. Oh, so this is, okay. I thought you've had yeah. two jobs like that. Okay, yeah. so four jobs. Cassie was actually one of the people that helped me gotcha. get into this job. Okay, so it was really cool. So, you know, she told me about her experiences in the company, and mm-hmm. um, that really, you know, really struck a chord with me because I wanted to be someone that helped people out. Yeah. You know, so so God was providing for you every step of the way is what you're telling me right now is that He was literally, literally and and not <laughs> only that you faced basically losing your entire identity by accepting Christ more. I, I, what I've seen for a lot of the Christians that I've met is they're either going back to their Christian faith, their roots faith, and they have their, they are kind of surrounded by a lot of other Christians or they're going from something that's slightly similar, similar to Christianity where people are okay. Or they're like, uh, a lot of times you'll hear somebody say when you tell them that you're a believer, like, oh, that's that's good for you. It's like kind of like the common thing that I, I will get towards me. But you were facing completely being outcasted by your family, losing the car, um, not having your, your very house to live in. Your whole social dynamic of survival was faced with danger and God was there with you every yeah. step of the way. I to me that's that was when you started to share that with me about about yourself. That was for me heartwarming to see. Man, God's is is doing miracles in people's life yeah. still to this day, and that that's one of them. And it, it blew me away, man. Because obviously, you know, when I first moved out from my mom's house at that time, I didn't have the job right away. But the family I was staying at, you know, they were taking care of me, you know. Mm. They they said, you know, don't worry about rent, you know. Don't worry about rent, you know, look for a job like, like you know, like as soon as you can get one, you know, get one. Mm-hmm. But don't worry about rent, you know, we're going to feed you, we're going to, you know. Wow. They had this RV and they got one of the beds and they put in one of the rooms and, um, you know, so I had a bed, I had a room, you know had access to food and you know every you know (laughs) i had all of it yeah and then um you know when i got the job i you know told them i was like i was i want to pay you guys for this i don't want you guys to you know 
think I'm taking this for granted. And, you know, we've been doing that since then. Yeah. But it's it's been awesome, you know. Like, I've never gone too long without a job because when I, you know, didn't work in the one, you know, someone from church was like, hey, I have an opening here and I can get you in. And mm. it was awesome. Right. And sometimes I think a lot of times, actually, God will let you get right up until that very last day of like, where's the provision? Where's it going to be? And he lets, <laughs> he lets you learn yeah. to trust him till the very last moment. And all of a sudden God's like, okay, now I'm going to work. And yeah. it's so cool to see that. So what's the dynamic right now um, with you and your family since it, you've been a Christian for six years now? Is it still very tense? Are they, are they, are you able to even talk with most of your family? What's going on? I'm still able to talk with my family. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very lucky we're in America. Mm. Um, you know, it, I don't know. It might be different elsewhere if I was still living in Pakistan. You know, the, the whole dynamic, the whole, you know, the fact of me being a Christian in a predominantly Muslim country might have been a totally different story. Right. You know, um, I know one of the things my mom says is that, you know, if you lived in Pakistan, this wouldn't even be happening. Right. You know, um, but, you know, God's sovereign. You know, everything works mm. out for a reason. So I know there's a reason that, you know, I was basically raised up here. Yeah. Is Christianity legal in, in Pakistan? Yeah. There are churches okay. that there is persecution. You know, East there have been Easter bombings and things like that. Whoa. Yeah. So, um. It is legal. There are churches. But there are not many. And lately I've been reading that some Christians have been fleeing to different countries from my home country, despite mm -hmm. the fact that churches are allowed. I'm not too sure about the situation there. but Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you some questions uh, just concerning uh, Islam. Yeah. Um, for Islam, how does a person receive salvation in their belief? You proclaim the Shahada. So the Shahada is the creed of faith. Okay. So it's basically, um, I'll say it in Arabic and then I'll translate it. Mm -hmm. It's La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Now you don't just say it, you say it with belief. Mm -hmm. So what that translates to, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, it means there's only one God and Muhammad is his messenger. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you say that with belief in your heart, then you are a Muslim. Okay. Who is Muhammad? Muhammad was, um, you know, brief summary of who Muhammad was. is He was born in Medina in Saudi Arabia around, I want to say, the 7th century. Mm -hmm. um, about 600 or so years after the time of Jesus. So, Muhammad was basically, he was a merchant. And... Um, he, I want to say it was around 30 years into his life before he um, supposedly had an encounter with the angel Gabriel. Mm. And the angel Gabriel basically came to him and told him not to be afraid and told him, you know, I am going to give you the Quran. What I recite, you're going to write down. Now, Muhammad wasn't, he was illiterate. You know, he couldn't read or write. So, um, Basically, the angel Gabriel told him to memorize everything. Mm. So, um, 
Muhammad went to different people in his life, his wife, first of all, because one of the things that's interesting is when Muhammad first met the angel Gabriel, he thought it was a demon actually speaking to him. Mm. So um, his his wife, uh, Khadifa, um, she, um, she had basically shared with him, you know, no, this is an actual angel and this is angel Gabriel sharing with you. So you should take everything down. So Muhammad went to different people and he had them write down what, you know, he was supposedly receiving from this angel. Yeah. That sounds a lot like Mormonism too. That's kind very of similar. very, very, very it's interesting. Kind of scary actually. It. Yeah, it's so similar. Yeah. It's one of the things that's really crazy for me too. Um, but, um, you know, he, so he started, he started sharing and he got a pretty decent following. Um, he, you know, he had his own disciples that would follow him around and, you know, you know, teach the things that he would teach and, you know, they would basically jot down everything he would say, supposedly, you know, this is coming from the Islamic claims, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, throughout his life, you know, he would continuously receive these revelations. And as he started growing more as a leader, he started growing more in his military status as well. Because, you know, one of the things was, was that, you know, in Saudi Arabia at the time, you had your pagans, you had your Jews, you had your Christians. And the Jewish and the Christian people were known as the people of the book in Islam. So, Muhammad went to them and he basically brought the Quran and he said, this is the new revelation from God. Mm. Here are these words. And, you know, he proclaimed himself as a prophet and the Jews were, you know, they, they looked to the word and they were, they were saying, you're not a prophet. You don't, you don't fit the description of a prophet because, you know, the Jews were still looking for their Messiah, you know, but they were like, you don't, you don't fit that. And mm. the Christians were like, Jesus, you know, we don't need another prophet. We have Jesus. So as he started facing oppression, he started getting more into military, you know, strategies and things like that, where he would conquer different areas and say that they had to submit to Islam. And it's, it's interesting. You can study it further, mm-hmm. you know, but one of the things I remember learning as I was studying, you know, Islam coming after being a Christian was the fact that as you see um, the Quran being written in almost a progression of how Muhammad's life was going in the beginning of his ministry, you know, you find that he has a lot of peaceful verses, you know, he's got, you know, treat, you know, treat the people of the book with respect, you know, for, you know, they are the ones that come before you. You know, and then as you read on later in the Quran, as you know, you see that he's dealing with oppression, you see more of like aggressive verses, Mm. you know, that say it's okay, you know, to kill the non-believers. And, you know, you'll see a lot of people asking about that. But, you know, um, that's not too much of what I was focusing on in my studies. I was more so just looking on the theological side of things. Mm -hmm. But, um that's one of the things I found was interesting. And, you know, as it was affirming my faith because I was finding that, well, okay, 
there are these aggressive verses that almost contradict the earlier verses. How do you reconcile that? And the Quran has a verse in the later parts of the Quran that say that says um, the later revelations supersede the older revelations. Mm. Not 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 the fact of the later revelation being the Quran superseding the older revelation. There was that too, but it was also the fact that something that was written towards the latter end of the Quran would supersede something that was written in the first half mm. of the Quran. So that's one of the ways that those verses of violence and verses of peace were, you know. That's how they justify it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So with, with that Islamic faith, um, do you do you see uh, Islam's do they is that a religion that would they want other people to join? They are not as focused on evangelism mm. or missionary work as um, Christians. Okay. Are. Um, I know when I was younger, we went on this little trip. It was to Corona, um, you know, city of Corona, mm-hmm. and um. I didn't really know what it was for at the time, but, yeah. you know, one of the things that we did was we went to different people's houses, different, but it wasn't like, you know, just door knocking, you know, mm. it, we went to Muslims' houses and we basically sat with the Muslims and we basically made sure they knew what they believed. <laughs> yeah. You, wow. Gosh, man, that's, you, they, as believers or as people, I think just, if, if you don't know, I think you could be deceived. Um, I think that's why it's important to study apologetics. And one of the things as well is, um, you know, sorry to, to kind of like go back into that question of, mm-hmm. you know, like, do they want other people to come in? Mm-hmm. They want other people to come in, but they don't believe in like the whole idea of like, oh, like I'm going to share my faith with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the times, you know, my uncles and aunts have asked me like, like, why do Christians always share their faith? Like, they're just, like, forcing their faith on everyone. And, um, you know, it's not that at all. Like, as a Christian now, like, we realize that when we share our faith, it's because we love people and we want God to know. We want those people to know the love of God, that Jesus died on the cross for them to redeem them, mm-hmm. to wash all their sins away. And... To not share that would be selfish. Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's one of the things that Islam doesn't have. It doesn't have that sharing your faith. It doesn't have that reaching out to all the different nations, hmm. you know. But, you know, that's one of the things that it's important to share. But that also kind of comes into the topic of when you minister to Muslims. Because um, if you want to minister to a Muslim, mm-hmm. you don't just... You know, it's it's not just a one-and-done deal. I'm not just going to, you know, hey, Sal, you know, I know, you know, you're pretty strong in your Muslim faith, but Jesus died for you. He loves you, you know, and his blood washes your sins away. See ya. Right. You know, I hope you believe in that. It's not, no, you're, it's not a one-and-done deal. You can't just hand someone a track. Mm. Well, I redact that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I want to say that God can work through tracts. Right. You know. If you don't, no, you I, might not have the time. Right, I but understand what you're trying to say. You chip away at the foundation. Yeah. Yes. One of the most effective ways of ministering to a Muslim 
is establishing that relationship with them mm. saying, Hey, I'm here. If you have questions, I'm here to share with you, you know, but you know, you don't want to just obviously like establish that relationship so that they see that, Oh, the only reason you're friends with them is to share with them, you know, try and convert them from their religion. Right. You want to show that you really care about this individual. And I hope you do like you should care about this individual, you know, but one of the ways that they're going to see that you actually believe in what you're talking about is that you're actually living what you're talking about. Mm. You're showing this love of Christ, you know, and a lot of the testimonies I would read was the fact that Christians sharing with Muslims would actually live out what they believed in. Wow. Not, not just that, but they knew their word. Mm. Because yeah. again, as you were saying earlier, Muslims know their word. They, they're trained from very young age to grow up and study. Mm. I wasn't so much that way myself, but I know most Muslims, if if you live with a more strict family, they, they know their word. You know, So a lot of times they get into a conversation with a Christian, mm. they ask a question, you know, might just be like, oh, I don't know how to answer that. And the Muslims say, oh, okay, you know, why should I believe in that if you don't even know what you're talking about? Mm. So it's very important to know your word. Right. I, th I think that exactly what you said, relationship is huge in evangelism. Um, I don't feel called to stand on on a street corner and hold a, holding up a sign saying, repent or burn. I don't, I don't think that's an effective way of evangelism. I... I have discovered multiple ways of, of, of evangelism. I think one of those ways is, is by going out to the streets and yeah. trying to start conversations with people. And uh, I, if you've ever watched Ray Comfort, he has a yeah. really <laughs> cool just approach of the, the way to, to, to converse with people of different beliefs. But for me, I think one of the most effective ways that evangelism has impacted people's life in my own life through me is exactly what you said, relationship. Yeah. Is just loving people and allowing your life to be the greatest witness that that there is. Uh, I think that when you feel yourself, well, you allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you allow yourself to be out there in the world and just to um, be a Christian. God is going to open those doors for other people to see. Wow, okay, this guy is an actual believer yeah. and you know what it's the love of christ that's going to compel them to be like well why are why do you act the way you act why why do you love me like and that's i think what opens the door i, I did want to ask one more question uh for for this podcast Afi. and that question was if let's say i'm a skeptic let's say um you know i don't have the same beliefs as you whether i'm atheist or agnostic, what are some of these ideas that you can begin to share with me to begin to challenge my, my atheism, to begin to challenge my agnosticism, or even uh, an another religion? That's a good question. It's a very good question because, again, there's a lot of religion in the world. There's mm -hmm. a lot of faith. You know, like, one, one of the most important questions is, like, you know, why am I here? You know, obviously, mm. like, people have to ask themselves that. Even even the atheists ask themselves that. Everyone has an answer to that question. Why am I here? Mm. Whether you call yourself a spiritual person or just someone 
you know, that doesn't have faith or any spirituality at all. You know, you either come to find out there is no meaning in life mm. or there is a meaning. And once you find out what that meaning is, you have to discover where does that meaning come from? Mm. And, you know, where, what, or who does that meaning come from? Now, for the skeptic, you know, the skeptic is someone that says, you know, there's no real, like, like to know something is a complete fact, right? That's like an impossibility. But when when you have an idea of, you know, skepticism, skepticism where, you know, you don't think anything could be like 100% confirmed, you have to look at the things that are 100% confirmed. Mm. And one of those things is the Bible, mm. you know. You can't, you can't argue the Bible on any other grounds other than the Bible. Mm. You know, so if someone like an atheist or someone like a Muslim or an agnostic or, you know, someone that doesn't even claim to be any of those things comes to you and says, why should I believe in the Bible? Well, for one, have you read the Bible? If there's a yes in that, then... What, tell me what you know about the Bible. And generally they'll say something like, oh, you know, they might mention the story of Noah or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. They might mention something, some small bit of information that they know. Now you have to ask them, did it really happen? And then it's kind of like see where their answer comes from there. This is one of the conversations I used to have when I'd be driving, delivering product products to different stores. I would have conversations with people in the stores they were very exciting conversations for me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was like, okay, so now that, you know, you know this, you know, Bible is completely true. Hmm. Everything that has happened or the Bible claims to have happened did happen. Now, how do you know that is you see that there's archaeological evidence. Mm -hmm. There's historical evidence. Mm -hmm. There's scientific evidence. And then you look at the prophecies too, you know, like the prophecies alone. Right. You know, Jesus in his life, you know, fulfilled a little over 300, 300. prophecies mm -hmm. in his life. Now, how is that possible? Because, okay, you know, you could fulfill one prophecy. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. Right. Coincidence. You right. Know, like coincidence. Like, sure. You know. There's a lot of people that are mm -hmm. born in Bethlehem, but to fulfill 48 of those prophecies, that raises the stakes a little higher. Yeah. Now you're talking about fulfilling 300 of those prophecies yeah. while he's alive on this earth and all of them being fulfilled in him. Now that's impossibility. Yeah. You know, like you, you can literally study. Now, the thing is, is that if you are seeking to find the truth you will find it if you're truly seeking god says if you seek me with all your heart you will find me mm. but if you're not seeking with all your heart then you're you're not going to find him mm. you're not going to find god what you know it's like i want to i want to ask like say say i want to ask this person you know what do you believe like and i, I want to know what you believe and I want to believe in it, but I'm not going to believe in it after you've told me everything. Hmm. You know, it's yeah. you're not really coming to 
true understanding. You know, you're basically still staying where you are. You know, that, that's, um, let me find a way to put it. That search for truth has, can't come from anyone else. It has to come from yourself. If you're a skeptic with a heart not to, to stay a skeptic, mm-hmm. you know, then you're essentially, you know, like not going to go anywhere. Mm. You know, your search for truth isn't going to end up anywhere. So you have to study. You have to seek. Yeah. You have to seek the word. And not only like do you have to study the word and truly seek with your own heart, but you have to understand the fact that what I believe in can be wrong. Mm. You know, like right. for, for the Christian themselves, I have to always tell Christ, Christians because Paul even says it. If Christ did not die on the cross, then everything, you know, mm-hmm. everything is in vain. Yeah. You know, it does not matter. Single thing. Now for a, the Bible to make such a claim like that as well is to really say, you know, we have to study. The Bereans, for example, studied all the time. You know, even if what Paul said sounded good and sounded according to what the scriptures were saying, they still studied to the scriptures. And that's something that skeptics, Christians, agnostics, atheists, anyone from any religion can learn from. But when it comes to the truth, you'll find that the truth does not need anyone to protect it. The truth will protect itself. Hmm. You know, I remember one of the quotes, I want to say it was D.L. Moody that said it, but I learned it from our class with Danny Bond. Mm-hmm. You know, you would defend the Bible like you would a roaring lion, just let it out of the cage. Hmm. Let the Bible defend itself. Right. Uh, I would tell someone that's truly seeking to find truth, study the Bible, and not just study what's within it, study it itself study the history of it how you know those are all good questions how did we get the book of james how did you know the book of um esther or mm-hmm. you know ezra make it into the bible and you'll find that the holy spirit brought all these things together yeah i think there's something i would add to everything you're saying too is how the value of, of studying it is it's going to, it's the most important thing about, I believe, a, a believer. Yeah. Um, I think that's a quote from Tozer. He says, uh, what you think of God is the most important thing about you. Yeah. And I, 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 would, I would add to that, that because uh, when you use the word study, I, I wouldn't want to kind of put in uh, maybe somebody's mind like, oh my gosh, well, to be saved means I, I have to, kind of open the books and get all the buy all these books and spend hours and hours of of of, of work studying for salvation and I, and I know that's not what you believe um the salvation comes from grace by faith through jesus christ the free gift of god amen and the the studying i believe that matures the believer that is what's going to help you to live this life in according to what God has commanded and in according to allow, I think, that grace, that peace to flow through your life. So I, I see that God works 
in so many amazing ways in each of every single one of our testimonies. And I'd love to hear how God has spoken to you and how he's kept you for over six years now, you said. Yeah. And your, bir- your spiritual birthday is coming up. I'm going to have to mark it down in my calendar. <laughs> That's awesome, Abby. Um, I, I do want to kind of um, uh, pray for you, Abby. I want to pray for you. And as you continue in your, your growth as a, as a believer and as a student, are you, uh, what's kind of next on, let's say, uh, are you still in Bible college right now? Are you still studying for in that kind of academic sense? I'm not in Bible college right now, but I'm still studying. Gotcha. And that's the best way to do it, you know, is to to spend your time at God's feet, Afi. I think that you're... You should all be Bible students, right? Amen, dude. Amen. Well, Afi, I, I want to thank you again for um, coming out. I, I had asked you if um, you were putting yourself in danger. You said uh, probably not. Um, but you know, I want I want to remind I think everyone that we are in a spiritual warfare, and um, I was just about to share. <laughs> I could always use the you know prayer because the enemy is real. Yeah, the enemy is seriously, you know, he's all he knows exactly what buttons to press. Mm. You know, and you know throughout throughout my time as a Christian, I've I've seen that like all these different things that the, you know, the enemy tries to throw in my way, you know, whether it's things that my mom said, and the Bible says, you know, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities of darkness, mm. you know, and every, you know, spiritual being in the heavenly, not every spiritual being in the heavenly places, but, you know, the evil. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, every Christian's going to go through it every Christian's going to go through it eventually. And I've been through it in my own life with, you know, things, you know, I've had that, you know, feeling of depression of like, why am I even doing any of this? Like, 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 like God, why am I here? And, you know, I've, I've had those, you know, thoughts where it's even shocked me, you know, like, like, why am I feeling this way? But, you know, those are things that the enemy throws to try and make us to doubt, doubt the Lord. You know, to doubt his promises. So, wow. I can use prayer. Amen. Okay. Well, Afi, let's pray for you. If you guys, uh, if you guys are listening online, uh, keep Afi in your prayers. Keep praying that God would continue to provide for him and just um, give him hopes that he continue to spread. And if you're out there, you're listening to this podcast today. Maybe you, uh, maybe you are interested in, in accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going I'm to, I feel led right now, we'll, I will we'll lead you to the sinner's prayer right now. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, why don't you just follow um, this prayer that I'm about to pray. If you believe it in your heart, um, God is faithful. He is going to intercede on your behalf, and you have an eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. So I want to pray, and then and then I'll pray for you right after, Afi, okay? And might I add yeah. that for any listener that does want to receive the Lord in his heart, in his or her heart, if if you if you feel like you're going to lose your sense of identity or your family or your friends, just know that you're entering the family of God. Mm. 
and you know, I, I'm sitting here in front of my brother, you know, today, and you know, it's encouraging. You always have someone to pray for you, you know, and God does that for you. God will always provide for you. He'll take care of you. He'll not just he'll give you what you need, you know. And I just want to add that, you know, like there's no fear in the family of God. Amen. So if that's you, uh, follow along with me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Use me. I thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 After, let me pray for you. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to get together, Lord God, to, uh, Lord God, share, Father, what you've done in our lives, Lord God. May you get all the glory. I pray, Father, that you would just put a, a shield of protection around Afi, Lord God. I pray you continue to provide for him, continue to give him insight and the fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that passion, Lord God, to serve you, to reach out to other people, Lord God. I pray, Father, for an anointing on his life, Lord God, as, as a teacher, as a Bible teacher, Lord God, as someone who leads other people, Lord God, men and women. I pray, Father, that you would continue, Father, to bring people alongside of him to help him, Lord God. Father, just continue to strengthen his heart, Lord God. Be with him in this time, Lord God, of trial, Lord God. Be with listeners right now, Father, just dealing with COVID-19 and viruses, Lord God, I pray, Father, just that you would strengthen your, word, your, your church, Lord God, that you would just anoint us, Lord God. We love you, Father. We praise you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Afi, uh, thank you for, again, coming on the podcast. Uh, we want to say um, we love you guys out there, uh, and we'll keep you posted. We'll see you Sunday morning, all right? You have a great night. God bless. Take care, guys.